0: Hello, and welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how do we take all this knowledge we've gained over these last couple months and put it into use in our football programs. There's a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of different things you could do as a football program. Uh, These Zoom meetings, these Google Meet meetings, these Twitter conversations have been really Fantastic for me as a coach, but I think as we go forward, we have to make sure that we don't overload our players and that we use what is beneficial to our football programs. Because my football program is different from your football program, and it's important that we use what is going to make us as successful as we can be uh, this football Season, but before we start, I want to recap uh, some previous podcasts. I had Coach Brad Garrett on the podcast on May 23rd. Coach is down in Florida. Excellent coach. Really enjoyed the conversation, and I think you will as well. The one before that is called "How Do I Become a Coach." I had a Twitter question about how do you, how does one become a coach? How does somebody uh, go through the steps to be a high school football coach? And I go through those in that podcast so those are a couple that I've recently done and again if you want to reach out to me where can you find me on social media uh, twitter is the place that is a place to find me on social media and I am at mind of a fb coach I'll say that again at mind of a FB coach that's me on twitter and, uh, please, if you have any suggestions, comments, you want to be on the podcast, uh, please reach out. We can make that happen. Uh, I think this has been a, it's been a cool ride doing this podcast. I've gotten to know a bunch of different people and, uh, the community of the mind of a football po- coach podcast is growing and it's a really, really, really fun experience. So Without further ado, let's get into today's topic. So, when I read Twitter and I experience the this myself, um, you know, I'm referencing these different clinics, right? So, you read on Twitter that people have been doing these different clinics, or the you know the clinics I've attended on Zoom, mainly on Zoom. I, we did a coach's meet on Google Meet, but. Mainly the the clinics have all all been on Zoom, and I, one thing I've I've learned is the football coaching community is it's just a fantastic place. People are very open uh, with their philosophies, with their schemes, with their strength strength and conditioning ideas, and that's what makes our prog- our our program. That <laughs> this this um, you know this. Way of life, right? As football coaches, this profession that we're in allow just allows us to connect with a whole bunch of people and then be able to share information. And, and this is, it's been fun. It's been fun to see people who are very, very successful at a high, high level uh, be willing to come down and share knowledge with high school coaches, with middle school coaches, with youth league coaches. But as we, we get towards, you know, hopefully the start of football season, My mind shifts to, okay, I have all these notes that I've taken, right? I have all of this information. What do I do with it? What do I, how do I make this applicable to my football program? And that's something each of us has to decide. I'm going to go through some different things that I I look at when seeing, does this, does this help my program? Uh, Is this something I can use this year? Maybe it's something I use in the future. I plan on coaching for a long time, so maybe it's something that's in my Google Drive. That's pretty much where I store everything: Google Drive. And is it something I can use down the road? So, you know, the the key to being a, a great teacher and all coaches are teachers is always being a student. So we should continually learn. But the mastery. Part of it is we have to make sure that we don't overwhelm our players and we make it simple to learn, especially because we're not going to have as much time this year to be with our players. So we have to make sure that we are very concise and that we can make sure that we clearly articulate what we want our players to be able to do, right? what we want them to know, uh, so that we can be successful. So you know a couple of things that I've learned this offseason and then how we're going to apply them. Uh, first of all, uh, just looking at overall program philosophy. How do different people organize their football program? Uh, how do they assign their coaches different tasks? I know for, for me, the last couple of years, I learned this from a guy uh, who's won a bunch of games uh, down in Florida I do this this kind of coaching staff sheet where I hand it to the coaches. They know they're responsible. What they know what they're responsible for, and it keeps everybody going in the same direction. So if there's something that needs to be done, and it's not done, we I can just go to the coach and say, "Hey, let's let's make sure this gets done." And this has been a really good tool uh, for me in the past, and, and obviously now, and and I would assume in the future. Uh, to be able to put every role in our in our program for the coaches on a sheet of paper and this is what you, what is expected of you it's not this is how I need you to do it this is why I need, when I need you to do it and that's something that uh, has just been affirmed to me uh, the more coaches I've listened to on on different zoom um, conferences the more I realize this is this is a good thing I want to keep it I want to make sure that I try to be as clear as possible. Now, as a high school coach, sometimes this can become more difficult. What I mean by that is, as high school coaches, you know, as head coaches in particular, we don't have like these big binding contracts that colleges have. So sometimes a coach may leave late in the year and you're going to have to reshuffle your deck. Uh, as far as responsibilities and that can that can become a problem um well not a problem it's a challenge right you can overcome and just move on from there so obviously i i will eventually hand paper copies out of this when we get back to some sense of normalcy Uh, but right now this is a word document and the great thing about that is i can just go and edit it and print another copy wow you know (laughs) it's not like it's written in stone on the ten commandments or something like that so that's one of the things that I've listened to and learned from other coaches is just make sure your program is as organized as possible. And that was something that we have been doing, but I got a couple tips on how to how to do that better. And those are things I will definitely, definitely implement. Um, another part that I've learned a, a lot in this, in this time of quarantine is strength and conditioning, not, last night I was on a I was on another zoom conference and a very well-known strength and conditioning coach came on and gave us his ideas on how to start back when we can be with our players and I took a, a solid two pages of notes on on my computer and it's it's going to be very very helpful as we as we go forward and the guy who was moderating the meeting said <laughs> this this is going to be a very practical clinic. So this is not how to run stretch better or how to run buck sweep or how to run better play action pass. Uh, This is, you know, where the, where the rubber meets the road. How do we, how do we train our players safely and effectively when they come back uh, from, from being away for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. Some, one guy said it's been like 12 or 13 weeks. I just, I was, wow, that's a lot. So, you know, as, as we, Look forward to having our players back. This coach had a lot of insight, a lot of things I wrote down, a lot of things we're going to do, um, and it's really cool to see a guy that's way, way up in the college football world talk to a bunch of high school coaches on, "Hey, how do we make our guys better when they come back? How do we make sure that they're that it, that it's safe?" Uh, I, I really believe that do no harm is the first step of being. A high school strength coach and as the head coach and the, the guy that runs the strength conditioning program, that's something that's always in the forefront of my mind is I want to keep my guys healthy and the most important workout is the next one. So if they can get through this one healthy and feeling good, now they should be tired, right? But if they can pref- go to the next one, they can get to the next one, they're healthy, they're motivated, then you'll continue the cycle and we'll be, we'll get better each day. So Talked about organization, talk about weightlifting program. Let's talk a little bit about offense and defense. So, I'm at school uh, at Nitro, and our roster t- turns over a decent amount every year. So, you know, some years you have a bunch of wide receivers. Some years you have you have a bunch of tailbacks. Maybe one year we have a bunch of tight ends and fullbacks. That'd be fun. So. For me, as the guy as the head coach and the offensive play caller, it's important that I put into my toolbox a bunch of tools so when we get a, a late transfer in or somebody transfers out, that I can mold our offense to our personnel. And I was talking to a coach this morning on the phone, and me and him were on the same wavelength with this, that, you know, maybe, I don't know, he, he said 70s and 80s. I think it's it's obviously still something that happens today. There, There's coaching staffs that say, this is what I run. This is what I've always run. This is how we're going to do it. I don't care what my roster is. And I think that's lunacy. So, you know, maybe at the college level, guys have a system. Maybe at the pro level, they have a system. They can recruit to that. They can sign to that. But as a high school coach, you better be able to, to mold your scheme to the available personnel or it's probably not going to go well for you because you're asking somebody to do something they cannot do and, and I I've, I've been around coach I've coached for guys that are like this and I think sometimes I can be like this we all can be like this we'll we'll we'll, we'll play a game and then we'll watch the film on you know on Saturday and we'll, we'll be making notes and Or some people watch him Friday night, however you watch your, your game film, and we'll say stuff like, oh, he needs to do that better, or man, why can't he do that? And maybe he can't, right? Maybe we're asking a player to do something that he is not physically able to do, but he is on the field because he is one of the best 11 players. So as we look at our offensive scheme and defensive scheme, let's make sure that we are Putting our guys in the best position possible. And one thing I, I learned last year, as my first year as an offensive play caller, is you have to test the eyes of the defense. That we have to find the eye violators, and we play, you know, a bunch of teams that are well coached. But when the bullets are flying, and the coach is not in the field with them, and you're running jet motion, or orbit motion, or whatever kind of motion people run. Or your heavy play action, maybe, or your backfield misdirection, or your RPO—you're trying to get people to look where they're not where they're not supposed to look, or put their body where it's not supposed to be. Because I, th- I think great offense is executing simple plays over and over again, but it's also being able to have wrinkles where it looks different, right? That the the defense does not know what play is coming just based on. One formation, Uh, because as I used to be a a defensive coordinator uh, back before I was a head coach, and you know we go and break down film, and if you only run like one or two plays out of a formation, uh, that's something that we're definitely going to make sure our players know going into the game. And it's interesting how that how that played out. Uh, Oftentimes a team would get into a formation, and our guys would be screaming. You know, let's say it's like that formation is 100% pass. They're screaming pass, pass, pass. And the other coach and players are looking over, like, how do they know that? <laughs> well, because all you run is pass plays out of that. So, you know, make sure as you're as you're watching all these different clinics, right? These Zoom clinics, as we're going through all this available material, that we create an offense that one, your players can ex- execute, two is simple so you can rep your plays, but three, I think you need to need to have the ability to test the eye discipline of the defense, you have to find the eye violators, and you have to attack them um, as often as possible. Right? If they keep if their eyes keep going in the wrong place. Just keep calling that play, baby. I, I learned that from C. Spurrier. Um, he's a guy that if a play worked, he'd call it again. And you know, as offensive as play caller, you know, if I if I drive the field on a given drive, let's say we start on a minus twenty, whatever I'm doing to get to the red zone. We're going to continue to do because that is what has been successful. Uh, now, obviously, the third down it's not worked. Or fourth down, maybe we'll try something different. But uh, let's just do what we're what's, what's worked well. Let's not look to call all the plays in our sheet just because, right? Just because maybe we got it at a clinic and we like it, uh, or we want to look cool, right? Uh, what's cool is scoring points. <laughs> so, um, as an offense and Controlling the clock, right, um, to some degree. So, that's my thoughts on on offense and defense. You know, I I was talking to a, a guy on Twitter a couple days ago, talking. I was actually typing, right? She typed on Twitter. But we were talking defense, and you know, what's the best way to play defense? And I I relate it to basketball. I think from the back end. So. I think you have to teach man-to-man first. I think you should. I think that that is the simplest form of defense. And if you can play man-to-man the entire game, why would you play anything else? Because it eliminates space. The offense will never outnumber you with eligible receivers. And it allows your guys to play really fast because you got that guy, Right? And it allows you to control. You, you're always going to have good numbers versus the run in the box. And, you know, let's say you're playing cover one, you got a free guy up high. That's probably one of your better athletes. And he's going to run it down for breaks. So, obviously, you can get the cover zero. You can rush four, or rush five, or six, play cover zero. And that's a, a really good way to play defense if that's something that you, you can really coach up and your kids are good at doing it and it matches up to the teams that you're playing. Now, obviously, I think zone coverage is a great thing, too. Um, I used to not, I haven't actually, I haven't thought that for a couple of years, but, uh, my, my mind has changed, right? Cause as coaches, we evolve and it fits our personnel to play some zone coverage. And I think it's good to have a change up, right? Uh, for, for years, man, for my first, oh man, three years as the head coach, we were all man to man on defense and playing zero cover one, played a little bit of two read, um, this turns into man, right, eventually. Uh, but, man, I was sold on it. Like, we're, we're going to play man-to-man, especially the 2017 season. We played pretty much, well, we did. We played all cover zero or cover one. And mainly have, like, a 4-2-5 look. Uh, maybe, maybe you brought five every once in a while, mainly four-man rush, changed the front a little bit. But that's what fit our personnel. So that, to me, is, a, is really the the thesis of this entire podcast is we have to do what fits our available personnel. And that also, that, that goes back to our coaching staff, right? So uh, what kind of coaching staff do you have? How many coaches can, can you have? So I was listening to the, the strength coach talk last night. He's talking about his GAs and student assistants, and that, that's not happening at Nitro, right? We don't have that. So, you know, there's these great ideas that, I think that people have, right? They're very smart. They're very successful. But we have to be able to mold that to what is practical for us at our level and in our program. And we have to be constantly looking for how do I make my program as good as it can be right now? And that's an everyday thing for us as coaches. We should always be evaluating why am I doing it this way? And is there a better way to do it? So I thank you for listening, and I'll put this up here shortly.